But um, sweet. So if you're at, you're at campus core, then you're at the right place. You could you shut the doors on your way out also? Nice. Thank you. Yeah, we might as well not make this super formal, but um, how about we just say where we're all from? I mean, we only got six of us here, so we're going to keep it casual. Go for it. Where, where are you from? What's, uh, what's your age? No, what's your year in school? And then uh, how long you been a Christian? But um, you want to start right here? Jordan? Yeah. You just say it up. Yeah. Sweet. Nice. Are you at UK? Yeah. There you go. Oh, BCTC, same thing. Yeah. Awesome. Let's keep it going around. Uh, my name is Eric. I'm a senior. Okay. Sweet. Senior in high school or senior in college? College. Nice. Go for it. You're at Pittsburgh? Nice, with James and stuff, that's cool. Where did you say you were from? Oh, Okay, nice. You say you're at University of Virginia? Oh, no, it's like Richmond. Oh, okay, Richmond. Yo, what's up, man? Nice. Yo, what's up? We're all just saying where we're from. Yo, you want to crush the doors first? You want, you want to knock them out for us? Like, shut them? You want to shut the doors for us? It's too loud. Sweet, nice, we got silence. Yeah, you wanna say uh, where you're from, where you go to school, how long you've been a Christian, stuff like that? Everybody just went around and did it, I'm not just picking on you. Uh, where you go to school? Um, I'm actually not in school right now, I just school. Nice, you trying to go to Bowling Green? Nice. How long have you been a Christian? Almost three years. Sweet. That's awesome. Cool. So here we go. Campus core. And um, I guess, I, I, I mean, I obviously have a game plan of what I want to talk about. But um, why did you guys come to the class? Hopefully it's not just because one of the other ones are full or something. But what's like your, like, hey, yo, I saw this. Because there's no description on here, which is kind of wild. But um, what, what, what do you get? Why did you guys come? You want to throw something out? Go for it back there. Yeah. Um, I mean, I came because I figured it was going to be a place with uh, a bunch of people in a similar situation to me, uh, just college students trying to navigate. Sure. There's college students trying to navigate. Yeah. What are you thinking? Um, yeah, it just kind of seemed like a helpful thing for college, as well as I read a book called Campus Core like last year, and it, I like that. So. By Douglas Jacoby, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Has the pillars on it? I 
so. right? I don't know. Maybe they've changed the cover. That's sweet. Yeah, so I, I try to think about this because it's only for men. I'm like, man, what is the thing that holds guys back, right? Like, what, like as men in college, what's the thing that really kind of can get in the way to be a roadblock? And for me, I, I felt like uh, value and impact. A lot of my college life, I felt like, man, Am I really valued? Can I really make an impact? Those kind of thoughts just like mess with me throughout my college experience. So if you guys want, turn your Bibles to Judges chapter 6. And I'll tell you a little bit about who I am. So my name is Brody. I literally just moved to Ohio State a year ago. And um, I became a Christian at the University of Kentucky. There you go, Jordan. I, um, I grew up like in our family of churches. My parents were disciples, all that stuff. And I honestly just thought, yo, the Christian life looks mega boring. Like you couldn't tell me something worse to do with my Friday night than go to Devo or something like that. I don't know. That's just legit what I thought when I was in high school. Because I was like, yo, I can either party with my friends or I could, I could go and read a scripture with some other guys. I was like, which one sounds more fun? But uh, so I, I kind of took the long route. What's up, man? Uh, you saw my football or my foot, my volleyball. When you guys took it, okay, maybe it's the other one. Um, but I had this game plan at Kentucky. I was like, "Yo, this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna I'm gonna go to Kentucky. I'm gonna party hard. After my four years is done, I'll give God my life." So I remember getting freshman year, drinking a bunch. Sophomore year, I felt like man, I still had some restrictions. So I started really messing around with different girls, and. At, like as much as that should have been the high life, I remember trying to go to church once. I don't I don't know why I still went to church just for fun, I guess, but um or habit. But I remember I couldn't go to church because I was too, feeling too hungover from the night before. So I was kind of just reflecting on life, and I was like, man, my life sucks. I don't like my friends. I don't like what I do. I'm like I'm in this endless cycle that I can't I can't change. I'm just um, going to class, partying feeling regretful and repeating it over and over. And so I remember going, Hey, listen, I got to try a plan B. And so, um, I texted one of my friends I knew was a disciple. And I said, Hey, listen, can we start doing some Bible studies together? Like I, I really just need, I need, I want to check it out one more time. And, um, it became super real to me. Then I, I remember reading Luke nine twenty three, probably for the 50th time, but I, I legit made a decision. Hey, tomorrow I'm going to deny myself. And I was like, whoa, that worked. Like I, I listened to Jesus and my life started to change. And so I was like, I'm going to go for real for this. And so I, I remember not going to the final four when Kentucky was in it. Whoa. It was a big deal. Yeah. Stayed home, stayed home and got baptized. And my life's been different ever since been, uh, did a little campus ministry stuff in Cincinnati and Atlanta. Now I'm up in Ohio state. So it's sweet. So here we go. Judges chapter six. Come on in. Uh, we're looking at Gideon here. So Judges chapter 6, we're going to read a good chunk of scripture. So here we go. In verse 1, it says again, The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock 
and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count the men and their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian was so impoverished, the Israelites, so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. When the Israelites cried to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I snatched you from the power of Egypt and from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them from before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the something, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. But Sir Gideon replied, If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, Do, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? But Lord Gideon asked, How can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites together. So I think about this situation, right? And it, it is an overwhelming situation, right? The Israelites are surrounded by the Midianites. It says, like, kind of any progress the Israelites get, the Midianites come in and just destroy it all. I, I mean, they're not even using it. It's like they literally invaded the land to ravage it. And so the, the Israelites are hiding in caves. I mean, they're trying to make some progress, but it's like anything they do, they're right there against them, destroying every progress they have. You know, what, what's wild to me is it says it was impossible to count the men in their camels. Like just such a huge enemy that you can't even, like it's too many men to count. And they get to this point where they're just desperate. God, save us. We have, there's nothing we can do it says they're crying out to the Lord because of Midian. You know, to me, I'm like, their situation's helpless. There's no survival in sight. And they're literally just kind of hanging on by the skin of their teeth. So my, I only got two points. My first point is you are a mighty warrior. I, I think it's wild that God calls Mid, or Gideon a mighty warrior. And I, I go, man, is God just messing with them? Like, is this is God taunting him? Is God like... Playing with his mind, is he, is he, there's no way he's lying, right? But like, God, I think, is being super purposeful and calling Gideon a mighty warrior. Because from Gideon's perspective, right, he goes, yo, my clan is the weakest. You want to look at all the clans of what we have? We're, we're at the bottom, right? And in my family, you want to talk about the least baller guy? I, I, I'm like the least, on the bottom of the barrel, right? I, I think Gideon could have gone, like, thinks in his head, God, you couldn't have chose a worse person. You talk about you're trying to save Israel. You do not know who you're choosing, right? You, like you pick the wrong person to to try to save Israel. Like, can any anyone relate to that feeling? I, I feel that way sometimes. Like, really, you want me to do this? Like, there's someone better out there. Like, haven't you seen the other people in the campus ministry? Like, haven't you seen the other people in the kingdom? There has to be someone a little better. I, I'm quiet. I'm shy. I don't know much about the Bible. Like, this other guy's a better choice. I think, man, there's a distinct difference between God's view and our view of ourselves, right? God looks at Gideon and goes, you're the guy. 
you're the one I want to save Israel with. You're mighty. You're a warrior. You got this. Gideon goes, man, I'm nothing. I'm weak. Like, I'm the last. You know, not me. Like, I can't save Israel. So my, my question I want you guys to start thinking about is, are you looking at yourself through God's eyes? Are you, are you seeing yourself the way God sees you? Because I, I think, man, as men, we just destroy ourselves from the perspectives we have about each other or about ourselves. I, I really do think we cripple ourselves. We limit what we can do because of who we think we are. I, and I don't know if it's the world's fault or our own insecurity, but I'm like, I mean, I think about what the world says about a man from whether whatever it's social media or TV shows, but we're just portrayed to be idiots. We're stupid, right? I mean, every dad you watch on a show is a moron, right? Like they're all dumb. They don't know what they're doing. I mean, the world just tells us we're pigs, we're lazy, we're weak. I mean, the words that I hate the most, man up, right? Whenever someone says man up, what it means is you're not, whatever you're doing right now doesn't look like what a man would do. Why don't you put some man into you, right? It, it just makes you like, yeah, de- demasculates you. And so I think we desperately need and want to be believed in, right? We, we need to hear these words, you are a mighty warrior. Right. I, I think about like, I don't know if you guys can relate to this, but I played basketball in high school. I had two different coaches. I'm, I'm all right at basketball. I'll say that. And I had this one coach. Yeah, I had this one coach who I don't know what his deal was. I think he was trying to help me. But he would just rip me apart every practice. I, I would do something nice. I'd finish a sweet layup. And he'd go, well, maybe if you could just play defense, you'd be good. I was like, okay. Like that, I was on offense. But all right. Um... And then I remember I, I, on our team, I was one of the guys who could jump the highest before practice. I'd try to dunk and he would look at me and say, uh, you'll never be able to jump any higher than that. Cause I wasn't able to dunk at the time, but he would just always just say something. One mistake, he'd pull me out of the game. I, I couldn't function. I just felt so trapped. Like anything I do wrong, he's going to, he's going to be there. He's going to be on top of me. And I, I had terrible season with him. I had a different coach at my, my JV year. And this coach just, I mean, I don't know why, just praised everything I did. Bro, you're the bomb. We need you. Our offense re- like revolves around you. Like, do this. And that was like the best, best season I've ever had, a leading scorer on the team. But I think, man, the difference was I, I didn't I didn't play any different, but I think being believed in by the coach made me feel like I could do anything. Yeah. And I think about spiritually, man, knowing that God believes in you, knowing that God thinks you're a mighty warrior. I mean, I think the sky is the limit. I mean, I remember in a service once, I just felt like, uh, I don't know, I felt super trashy about who I was. I remember writing on a sh- like Sharpie on my arm, coward. That's just what I thought about myself. I'm like, I'm a coward. They're they preaching something like, go share your faith, be radical. And I just felt like I can't do this. Like, I, I'm a coward. This is who I am. But that, that mindset just trapped me. I couldn't do anything spiritually because I just thought, it's not me. I'm Gideon. I'm the, I'm the least of our ministry. There's no way I can share my faith. There's no way I can help someone become a Christian. But I, I think about, man, if I could latch on to these words, I am a mighty warrior. If you could latch on to these words, you are a mighty warrior. And so I think your situation is no different than Gideon's, right? I think if you think about your condition in your campus ministry, you are surrounded by a countless enemy if you want to think think about the lost people at your university i mean i can't i'm at ohio state literally can't count it you try to talk to people in between classes good luck there's thousands of people walking past you 
I'm like, the world, the world's holding us captive. It, our situation doesn't seem hopeless. I'm like, we're supposed to save the world? Are you kidding me, God? Like, we're supposed to help thousands of people become Christians? Like, are you sure? But I, I think God wants you. God is calling you. God is telling you, you are the mighty warrior and his plan is you. I think he's going saying, hey, listen, my plan is to use you to save people at your university. Right? It's a powerful thought to think about. And here we go. Let's read, um, or let's do the second point, which is the Lord is with you. But uh, before that, I, I want to share a story about a, a hero of mine in our campus ministry. And um, this, to me, this guy is, he is Gideon in a lot of different ways. His name is Matt Boone. I don't know if you guys have ever met him. He literally is like the reincarnation of Ron Swanson. You guys ever seen Parks and Rec, right? He's a country boy. He, he likes meat. But um, he talks like Ron Swanson. He, I mean, just everything he does is just, it's awesome. He, he could dress up as Ron Swanson for Halloween. But I, I think from his perspective, he goes, you know, I'm socially awkward. I don't say a lot. Like, I'm country. I don't know. He, he feels like, man, I don't really relate. I don't, I don't really belong. I'm not that bold guy who's going to go out there and say all this different stuff. But he was actually the guy that first became a Christian in our ministry last year. First guy that became a Christian. And, um, yeah, he always shares this stuff. I, man, I feel socially weird. I'm not like, I don't know how to like spark up a conversation. All this different stuff. He really does think of himself as the least of the least. And um, he had this roommate his first year. And he tried reaching out to him. It was kind of a slow process. The guy started studying the Bible. But over the summer, it kind of just went to a halt. But, um... But I, I, he had a couple conversations with his buddy over the summer, like, yo, are you engaged spiritually? Are you trying to grow? His roommate or at the time was like, nah, not really. It didn't pan out. But then the semester started again. And um, what was just crazy is he just kept reaching out to him. And this guy started studying the Bible again. And then just out of nowhere had this fire like, man, I, I want to be baptized. I want to become a Christian. So maybe three weeks ago, his old roommate became a Christian. And uh, what's wild to hear what his roommate says, like we prayed the other day at a retreat, and um, his old roommate was like, he was praying, he's like, God, if you didn't put Boone in my dorm, I don't know where I would be. Like, there, there's no chance I'd be a Christian. I mean, I, and so for me, I'm like, this kid's life was changed because of Ron Swanson, right? Like, you would talk about the least likely person to help a roommate become a Christian, you could have said him doesn't talk a ton, isn't like, doesn't do super crazy stuff. Like I think of other guys in our ministry who are more charismatic, who have more friends, whatever, all these like worldly things. And I go, you know who helped someone become a Christian was Boone. And so I mean, I go, God loves using situations like this. So let's take a look in uh, Judges chapter seven. And I, I want you guys to get this other half of it because God says, hey, you are a mighty warrior. But before that, he says, the Lord is with you. So Judges chapter 7, start in verse 1, and uh, we'll see what God does with Gideon. So it says, Early in the morning, uh, Jerubbaal, that is Gideon, and all his men camped at the spring of Herod. The camp of Midian was north of them in the valley near the hill of Morah. The Lord said to Gideon, You have too many men for me to deliver Midian into their hands, in order that Israel may not boast against me that her own strength has saved her. Announce now to the people... Anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left 
while ten thousand remained. That's wild. Twenty-two thousand men were like, "Yeah, right. I, I'm not. I'm not going to war." And only ten thousand stayed. But the Lord said to Gideon, "There are still too many men. Take them down to the water, and I will sift them for you there. If I say this one shall go with you, he shall go. But if I say this one shall not go with you, he shall not go." So Gideon took the men down to the water. There the Lord told him, separate those who lap the water with their tongues like a dog from the, those who kneel down to drink. 300 men lapped with their hands to their mouths. All the rest got down on their knees to drink. The Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men that, I, that lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. Let all the other men go, each to his own place. So Gideon sent the rest of the Israelites to their tents but kept the 300 who took over the provisions and trumpets of others. Let's go down to verse 10. It says, If you are afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant Pura and listen to what they are saying. Afterward, you will be encouraged to attack the camp. And so let's go down to verse uh, 22. It says, When the 300 trumpets sounded, the Lord caused the men throughout the camp to turn on each other with their swords. The army fled to this place and toward that place and as far as the border of that place, near that place. And so what's wild is, check this out. God goes, listen, hey, you got 32,000 men, too much. If I use you and this crew of people, you'll think, yo, I'm a baller. This is why it happened. This is why we won. So God goes, hey, I'm going from 32,000 to 300. And even then, Gideon was like, um, he still needed a confidence booster. God's like, hey, listen, just go listen, eavesdrop on them, and you'll hear what's going on. And so these guys are like, when he listens to the camp, they're super afraid. Like, oh, we've heard of Gideon. He's coming in here. But, it, I mean, the way that Gideon wins is nuts. Like, the, the army gets confused because of the trumpets and just starts killing each other. Which is just like, yeah, it's wild. It's a cool victory. But I'm like, you want to talk about the ultimate underdog story? Gideon, right? And with nobody, defeats the countless enemy, right? The, the, the group of people that they could not even count. And so... Man, I think about how amazing God is. I don't know about your guys' perspective of God, but for me, sometimes I think like God is just like angry. Like he's like waiting to pounce on us. Like he's kind of like my first coaches sometimes where I can think like, yo, I'm going to teach you lessons. You're going to try this. You're going to fail. But really, I mean, God is mega patient with Gideon. I counted, like you guys are going to have to read this on your own, but I counted all the miracles he did. He had an angel talk to Gideon. Gideon does a sacrifice and it catches fire just from him touching a stick to it. He, um, he tears on this altar and some random guy comes up to stick up for him. He does the fleece miracle twice where he's like, hey, God, put dew on top, then on the bottom. You see this miracle of thirty or 32,000 to 300. He gets to listen to the conversation and then just the victory itself where they kill each other. I'm like, God is doing anything and everything to give Gideon a victory. Like his number one goal is I want you to succeed. God was crazy about giving Gideon a success. But I, I mean, same for you. You know how crazy God is for wanting you to succeed? Like it, this isn't just his love for Gideon. God is wanting to set up the situation for you to succeed. You know, to me, it gives me so much reassurance. And, and the thing I think about with Gideon, is anything really different about this dude? To me, I, I read the story, I'm like, Gideon's not any more mighty than when I first saw him. I still, I really think Gideon is the least of the least. But I, I think what is different is that he is, he's a baller. He's a baller when God's in the picture. You know, and I wrote this down. You know, the Bible is full of ordinary men who do crazy things. 
You guys know Moses, hopefully, right? Yeah, you know what his issue was? Somebody can say it. You know, like his deal, his like hurdle was? Yeah, yeah, he couldn't talk. He, he can't, like people think he had a speech impediment or something. But I'm like, this guy is walking up to Pharaoh. And he's telling Pharaoh, yo, if you don't listen, this is what's going to happen. Moses, the guy who couldn't speak, who asked God to have Aaron with him, is the one who led millions of people out of Egypt, right? David. David isn't even considered. Like when, when uh, Samuel comes in and says, hey, someone from your line, the father doesn't even think about David. Because the, the prophet goes, yo, don't you have one more son? How embarrassing is that if your dad forgets about you, right? But David is the guy who slays Goliath. He's small, he's weak, but he kills a giant, and then he becomes king. Peter. Peter is the guy who failed to walk on water, who betrayed Jesus, but he's also the guy in Pentecost, right, who gets to start the church. Nehemiah is just a cupbearer to the king, but he's the guy who gets chosen to rebuild the wall for Israel. So like, if you're sitting and thinking, yo, I'm just an ordinary guy, you're in a sweet company of people. Because I think as ordinary as you are, God has extraordinary things planned for you. And I think God's main concern, this is all he really cares about, is that you don't just get too hype on yourself. Because his main thing with Gideon is, hey, listen, like in chapter 7, verse 2, it says, The Lord said to Gideon, You have too many men for me to deliver Midian into their hands, in order that Israel may not boast against me that her own strength has saved her. You may be who you are, so that God can do powerful things through you. If you're any more beastly, if you're jacked, if you're an athlete, if you were a sweet speaker, maybe God's like, man, I, could, I couldn't use you. But I'm like, for me, we should be hype that God is with us, right? That the Lord is with us should be the game changer. I tried to write down some things that would make me hype. You got Any of you guys play flag football? Yeah? Okay, a couple of us. We got a flag football team started. Yo, if, if I knew if somehow I had a connection and Tom Brady was on our team, I would be like, we will kill every team by 72 points. There's no way. If we had Antonio Brown, you got to be kidding me. I'm like, just do a little screen pass. He'd burn everybody, right? I would have the ultimate confidence. I would put down all my life savings every game. Basketball, it, man, if I could get LeBron to play five-on-five five pickup ball with me, like, there's no way the team would even score. I really think we would win every game. Nobody would even score on us. If I knew, um, I'm trying to think about another situation. If I knew we had worship... And Justin Timberlake was coming in. I don't know. I'd be like, we're going to crush it today. Yo, JT's leading it. Like, you know, the, the confidence that I have in worldly people is kind of like scary. But I think, man, if, if I had the mindset, you have Bible talk. Yo, guess who's leading Bible talk today? Jesus. I'm like, yo, everybody's getting baptized after this, right? Like if Jesus is leading Bible talk, yo, you got to be We're going to be balling. We're gonna, like, it is going to be unreal because Jesus is doing it. I mean, if you knew that. God was leading the Bible study with the guy. Yo, what kind of confidence would you, God's doing this study? He's not going to mess up. He's going to be able to see everything. I'm like, no way can we fail. And I think the thing that happens is we lose this mindset. We stop, we stop forgetting or we start forgetting that God is with us, that the Lord is with us. And I'm like, that's what makes us mighty. And that's what made the difference for Gideon. Gideon didn't actually turn super saiyan or beast mode, right? Gideon was still the same weak dude. The only thing that he started to see happen was, yo, God's actually with me. And God had to kind of prove it to him along the way. But I think for you guys, the, the thing that's going to make a difference in your life is believing, hey, listen, I'm a mighty warrior and the Lord is with me. And so before we close out here, what do we got? 
We're at 10.32. We're going to do a little Q&A at the end. I want to give you guys three practicals that totally transformed my mindset while being in college and being a disciple. Number one practical is uh, TOC. Anybody know what TOC stands for? It's all good if you don't. It's like a South thing. Yo, time on campus, right? This idea is that, yo, you know what? I want God to use me, so I'm going to be at the university as much as possible. Like, I, I think, man, the killer things that we do, t- like, as a group of campus disciples is we stop living life on campus. We get apartments. We start, we start studying off of campus. I'm like, how can you make an impact at the place that you never are at? Like, people start just going to classes and then that's it. Go to class, go home. I'm like, you have thousands of people walking around you and you're going to remove yourself from that situation. It just be having a decision. You know, I'm going to be on campus as much as possible. I mean, I'm going to study on campus. I'm going to do my homework on campus. I'm going to hang out with people on campus. I'm like, I, I can't even tell you the amount of things just from me being there that I've been able to meet people. And I, it wasn't like I was planning to share my faith. Like this guy just texted me, said he wants to get baptized when we go back home. Um, but we were just throwing the football on campus before like a movie on our oval and uh this random guy just jumped in our little like throne pattern and i said yo you, you want to study the bible and he's like sure i mean i didn't plan it i wasn't like yo we got to go out there and reach out like it was just because i made a decision and i'm married i could have gone home but i was like yeah i'm gonna watch a movie with people i'm gonna be on campus boom there's a guy and now he wants to become a christian so i'm like whatever you have to do make a pact with someone yo i'm, I'm gonna be on campus as much as possible Second thing, second practical that is a game changer is uh, train. Man, my biggest regret, biggest regret is becoming a, a disciple when I was a sophomore in college. Because I was a bum. I was a super spiritual bum my first year that I became a Christian. Just, uh, I kind of got like, I, there's this cool girl. I was like, yo, we're going to start dating. That was kind of just all I thought about my first year. And, um, and it was a poor relationship. So, it didn't, yeah, I'm not even married to her now. So, it didn't work out. But, um. What I wish, I wish that I would have just clicked in spiritually. I wish I would have just said, yo, teach me, help me. Because that first year, I don't even know if I tried to help anybody become Christians. I was just so engaged in myself. But man, my senior year is when I broke up with her. But I kind of was like, yo, I only have a semester or two left. I got to teach me. How do you do that? But I was like, wait, why do you use that scripture? And it was like, I, I can't even explain it to you. It's like someone removed a veil. I was like, are you kidding me? This is amazing. These guys are changing People taught me how to do things. I felt empowered. Man, I wish that I would have became a Christian in high school. I wish that I had four years to train, to learn, to help different people become Christians. And then third thing is uh, pray specific prayers. I mean, I think we heard a lesson about this at ICMC, right? The, what does he call them? Rice cake prayers? I don't know if you guys are there. But um, specific prayers, right? I, I loved getting together with some guys and we would say, yo, God, this is what we want to see you do. It's a lot more powerful than being like, grow our campus, help us be more unified. Those things, I, I don't even know how to measure them. I don't, it's just vague. It sounds good. But when I got together with some guys and said, yo, let's pray about this. We want to see an athlete become a Christian. We want to see 10 people become a Christian this semester. I, like when we said things like that, it was crazy to see how God answered. And so those are the three top three things I think you guys could do as men. And so I'm going to go ahead and close out with a prayer. But then I'd love to do a little Q&A for a second. Anything that's on your mind and um, or about the lesson. But let's go ahead and pray real quick. God, uh, what an amazing father. What amazing 
trainer, coach, king, however we want to look at you, um, how amazing you, you really are. You are the God that is just pumping us up. It is just wild that you think we're mighty warriors. We all know who we really are deep inside. We all can relate with Gideon and go, hey, I'm, I'm the least of the least. But it's just crazy that you view us as mighty warriors. We're so grateful that you're with us. You are a million times better than LeBron. You're better than Antonio Brown. It is incredible that we get to work side by side with you. It's incredible that we get to watch you do miracles. I pray we don't forget that. I pray that we live that out in every setting. I pray that we're thinking about the situations back at home where we're lacking faith and that we can go, wait, God, you are in this. You can totally conquer this. You can totally change this. So I pray this group of men can have victories just like Gideon. I know you're begging for things like this to happen. I know you're just waiting for us to click in, to hand things over to you, and you're, you're dying to do a miracle. You want to glorify yourself. You want people to see your power. So I pray that we don't get in the way and that we help you do that. Um, I love you so much. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Sweet. I guess we can like Q&A. Go. Um, so what you got on your mind? Anybody got thoughts, questions? Could deal with the lesson. Could not. But we got like seven minutes for Q&A. What you got? I, I mean, I'm pretty basic. I, I remember like, I don't, I don't, I remember I was sitting in a Bible study and I watched um, Greg Campbell lead this Bible study. And I saw this guy was prideful and then by the end of it, I saw, I was like, wow, he was like mega humble and he, he realized he was on the the wide path and he wasn't making it to heaven. I was like, How, how'd you do that? I don't know. It, like for me, the first, and so I started going, wait, it, how'd you do that? And then I started thinking, hey, how can I do this with the next guy? So to me, I saw something that, seemed powerful and I, I didn't know how to do that. I, I mean, I didn't know what to read. I never had led a study before. So I think from that point, Greg was like, yo, you try it next week. Like I'll sit and I'll watch you. But I think to me, it was like this hunger to kind of, Hey, I want to do something powerful with my life. I don't want to just stand by. I want to watch you. I, I don't want to just watch people do it. I want to see if God can kind of use me to do something too. So I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah. What else we got? Could be your ministry situation. Could be anything. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really liked your one practical time on campus. Um, and being an only disciple at a school, um, what is like the, um, like how do you make sure you're getting time on campus, but you're also, you know, making sure you're getting time with disciples. Sure. Making sure you're not, you know, on yeah. the world. That makes sense. Where are you, where are you at? I'm in Worcester, Massachusetts. Oh, no, you just came to come? Yeah. Nice. Um, yeah, I grew up in the Philly church. So. Oh, sweet. Is Ryan Painter used to be out there, right? He used to. But he had it out there. Nice. Bay, there no, that's cool. Yeah, I think this is what I... I um, obviously, you need to kind of get, like, your spiritual encouragement and stuff like that. But I, I think you'll pull someone over to your place. I, I, I think the Christian life is impossible alone. You, you got your own your own cup to bear that God kind of gave you being at the university by yourself. But I remember what was game changer for me. This one guy, he made a pact with me. He said, Hey Brody, listen, every Tuesday, every Thursday from 12 to one, we're sharing our faith. I don't care if it's raining. I don't care if it's snowing. I don't care how you feel homework. This is what we're doing. He's just another uh, college disciple, but 
it, that was just, I mean, just having that, I learned so much. We met new people. We kind of got to like dream spiritually for people. But I think if I were you, whoever else is out there, be like, yo, I, I need you at my university. Just give me an hour each week. Give me two hours each week where we can just go out and share. To me, I'm like, that's what I would do if I was in your shoes. Because you got to go and be with them. But I think they should, one person at least should be coming to hang out with you, help out, you know? Yeah. Sweet. Any other thoughts, questions? Nah? You guys killing it? Crushing it? All right. So we're done. Sweet. Thanks for coming. You guys are the bomb. All right. Is someone, who's supposed to turn this thing off? Should I just hit it?